Welcome to the Old School Meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, which features speakers with long-term abstinence. This meeting was born online, and it's going to stay that way. That means you can attend live on Tuesday evenings at 6.30 Pacific if you'd like to. Go to the Los Angeles Intergroup's webpage at oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. Now I am going to share, tell you what I was like, what happened, and what I'm like now, including how and why I stay abstinent today. Okay, here we go. Again, my name is Susan. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and a hundred pounder. Thank you, Deborah, for inviting me to lead. Um, most of you I know, but some of you I don't know. So I think it's always important to show you why I'm here. And disclaimer to Deborah, my sponsor, the third sheet, I couldn't find a picture of you and I. I found one, but you had your eyes closed. So I thought it, you wouldn't like that. So you're not in my third page. Um, <laughs> and I couldn't cut you out and just include your husband. I thought that was a bit rude. Anyway, <laughs> that being said, right, there's a vast amount of fun to have. So it tells me at the end of the forward to the fourth edition that what I really need to do tonight is speak the language of the heart in all its power and simplicity. So I don't rehearse. I don't know what I'm going to say. I always have my book book in front of me and I know that God will give me the words that somebody needs to hear. I was born this way. I remember being four years old and sneaking food and lying about it. I dieted my way up and down to 250 pounds. I came to my first OA meeting when I moved to Los Angeles in 1982 and the seed was planted. But as I say, I'm a very, very slow growing tree and I didn't put the fork down until 1998. So since then, They've brought things out in the market where I can straighten my hair and do all sorts of stuff. So we do that now. Down here on the left are the pictures of me when I first lost my weight. So you can see nothing's really changed. Yes, I've gotten a little older. My hair is shorter and straight and blonder. And then, you know, I get to live today in the sunshine of the spirit. And one of the great joys today of being on Zoom is all the amazing people who I have met. And the that's my dad. I met him a very long time ago. I just love that picture of him and I a couple of months ago, a family event. I didn't know he was wearing red. And I just like that picture. And then these are a few of us who were together at the end of the birthday party, some Amy B, who you've all heard us talk about in New York. And then when I've been to New York, I've met other people. And this is a friend down here on the right from Houston who just came out. Um, Jen A has spoken here. I have many, many others, but that's just a little showing of the freedom that I have today, first of all, and that I have incredible friendships as the result of working these steps. Um, so here we are. First of all, welcome if you are new to Overeaters Anonymous. You've taken the first step, right, to admit hopefully that you're powerless. And even if you hadn't, because again, it took me many, many years. And thank goodness for a workout instructor who I know that whenever I say this, I know Jack knows this person because he, has told, he was the one who told me. And she invited me to come to a meeting. Her name was Stacy. I don't know if she still comes. I've never seen her since. She worked at Richard Simmons Gym. She was my first Ebby. She invited me to go to a meeting 
And I went and I had no idea. I just moved to America and I thought, mm, could be something cultish. I've watched these TV shows. I don't know. But I came, I went to a hundred pounder meeting. Not that I even knew that that was the name at the Derby office. And because I was righteous and a thousand other things at the time, I hated it, not just disliked it. And I didn't come back. But what happened was because I live in Los Angeles, I kept on meeting people who were in 12 step programs and I would come back in and out, in and out. And the main thing that I will say, if you are struggling is please don't leave before the miracle because people here are so kind and so loving and nobody ever shook their head at me and said, Oh, you see, you're back again. Getting your jaw wired shut didn't work. Trying a bit of cocaine up your nose didn't work. That fen-fen didn't work. Randomly, you're the 2% that it didn't work on. Being offered a job at Weight Watchers didn't work. Doing a photo shoot for Nutrisystem didn't work. And so on and so on. So I know today that I'm a girl who ate like Bill Wilson drank. I was of that hopeless sort, right? I kept on coming out of everywhere with all that vim and vigor. This won't get me. I won't jump when the stock market crashes, right? I'll be okay. And the next day I'm crossing that threshold and I'm pounding my hand against the bar saying one more time, how am I nose down in this X, Y, or Z? There's a silly little bug in here. And I just kept on going. And, you know, I often forget to say this, but I did consider having surgery. Um, I, when it first came out, the, I think it's bariatric surgery, and they never gave you psychological, nothing at the time. It was just like, you want it, you're overweight, great. But God was constantly doing for me what I could not do for myself. And if you've had it, that, that's fine, that's okay. In my experience, I have friends who have it. And again, a spiritual solution is the only thing that has worked for me. I know that the diets work, I did them. They definitely work but not for an alcoholic with food of my sort, because I don't know how to stay stopped. So I needed to have an emotional rearrangement and that has only been procured by working the steps as outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, taking clear cut directions from my sponsors that I have not always liked and that I have made faces on the other end of the phone when they've suggested things. Everything is just a suggestion or is it? No, it is, <laughs> but again, we go hand in hand, right? We commence shoulder to shoulder. So I'm only being suggested something because somebody else can relate. So if you're new today, you've come to this meeting and you might think, well, I've vomited for 30 years. I don't know what this girl's talking about. My thighs never rubbed until they bled. That's five. Thank you. You know, I slimmed my way down to 80 pounds. What does she have to say? If you just close your eyes and listen to the pain that I was in, when I had to ask for a seatbelt extender on an airplane on TWA, it's probably why they went out of business. And, you know, that still didn't stop me from eating. I cried all the way home from England for 12 hours. I didn't move from that seat on that plane because I was so humiliated, so humiliated and broken. But did that stop me eating? No, let me eat at her for another 15, 20 years. 
You know, the first eight pages of Bill's story are all about his disintegration. And it says on page six, the remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning are unforgettable. The courage to do battle was not there. Then one day a girl said to me, Susan, why don't you have your jaw wired shut? That would be a good idea. Then you won't be able to eat. So I go to a dentist in Tarzana up in the hills. I'll never forget. So 20 plus years ago, it was definitely in the 80s with $300 in cash. And this man numbed my whole mouth and sewed wire in between each of my teeth. Listen for the progression of the things I did. Weight Watchers, that was way too easy. There was no pain for me there, right? I could get my ribbons. I went to the front of the room. They all clapped. Supersonic. But no, I have to be really radical, right? And go and get my mouth wired shut. I just can't stop. And here's the progression. And this is why I can't stop coming here. In three months at 250 pounds, I kept my jaw wired shut for three months. Not an ounce did I lose. Not an ounce. The minute I left his house, I was crying and angry, all medicated and numbed out. Didn't have anybody drive me. I remember my little navy blue Honda Prelude <laughs> going back down the hill. It was up receiver somewhere in the hills. And I drove through and I got something cold and I figured out how to maintain that amount of weight. Do you know the calories I was putting in through a straw? Not one pound did I lose. And that's, you know, where Bill says that people feared for his, san for his sanity. I mean, that is totally insane. Um, so I kept on going and going and going. I'd come back in and out of meetings. People would offer to sponsor me. I'd say, yes, I'm sorry I didn't call you when I said I would. I just, I just couldn't do it. And what I've learned here is that no human power, right? but God could and would if he were sought. So as I've already said, Deborah's my sponsor. She can't stop me from doing things. She couldn't make me put the fork down, but she can share with me how she did to give me a message of hope, how she sat in her car at minus whatever degrees in Chicago, vomiting and eating. And she can share with me that she's no longer hopeless and doesn't do that. She can't make me do anything, right? I have to want that. I have to have a rewiring of my heart. And today, you know, I've had that and it is truly a miracle. And it talks about in the big book, how the age of miracles is still with us. So I finally gave in, but I still held back this much because I got a sponsor in Florida because I wasn't going to get too friendly with all of you. And then after a couple of years, I thought, you know what? You all look so much prettier now. You're so much nicer than when I first came. Maybe, just maybe. And I went to Serenity Sunday and I sat in the back when it was in, before it was all redone. And Maxine R was there speaking that day. And there were things that she just said that just opened my heart. And I went up to her and I said, can you sponsor me? And she said, you can call me. And of course, because I am me, toodle on home to the valley where I lived at the time, <laughs> got on my phone and I called her immediately. And I found out a few weeks later that she had given her phone number to two people. And she said, I give my number to a lot of people. She said, whichever one of you called first, I would have said yes to. 
And then I really got deep into the book, really, really deep, the way that all these ladies and maybe some of you were taken through in the beginning by Clancy and Chuck C. And she went through the book with me page by page. And I got right into service. I used to go and visit her at the office and pack books up, clean up the rooms in between, make sure there was toilet paper in that black back toilet, right? That's what I would do. I humbled myself. And by the way, my first sponsor told me not to speak for 90 days because she said, you have a lot to say for yourself. And I'm not sure that anybody needs to hear it right now. She didn't live here. And this was God working again, God performing miracles on me. I listened to her. I didn't do it. I didn't lie to her. Another miracle is I put the fork down on a Sunday night. That is definitely God intervening in my life. I cried on the phone to this woman, Bonnie, for nearly three hours. She didn't want to sponsor me being this far away. And the only reason I knew of her, by the way, was she helped a friend of mine who lived in Florida. So I really wanted the magic. I wasn't sure any of you strangers. I had to see actual evidence of somebody who I'd seen. And, that, and I agreed to call her at 4.45 in the morning and everything. And she asked me what I was going to have for dinner that night. Shock, horror, right? Sweating already. I said, well, I'm just going to start in the morning. One more time, God launches a search and rescue for me. And she says to me, Susan, if you don't commit to me what you're going to have for your dinner tonight, because that was the first step where right? I had to admit I was powerless. The second part of my life had become unmanageable. You know, I would have told you. I had my green car by then. I owned a home. I keep my jobs. Okay, my thighs are rubbing together and bleeding, but nobody knows. And you don't really know the thoughts in my head. I'm now working a prestigious law firm. Look at everything I've done. But the chatter and how I disliked you and everything else was, there was always a war going on up here. And that night when she said those words to me and I said, okay, I'll do it, my whole life changed. I stood at a turning point that night. And even though, you know, there I was, right, crushed by a self-imposed crisis that it talks about in the big book. And I called her and we got to work and it was, it was different. It wasn't quite the work that I started to do with Maxine, but it didn't matter. It helped me stay stopped and it helped me stop paying with my food and starting to build that relationship, having quiet time every day waking up in enough time, which I am a morning person, it was fine for me, not be rolling over in bed and yawning when somebody's so graciously giving me their time, having my writing assignment done, no dog ate my homework, right? I was willing at this point to go to any lengths to be relieved. I knew I didn't have one more go around. I understood the fatality because I didn't go on a diet to weigh 250 pounds and wear a 26 dress. I didn't go on a diet that the only place I could find a black tie gown was at the Forgotten Woman in Beverly Hills. And even then, I'll use the word spanks, but if they didn't exist then, I had to strap myself in and then I had to have on support tights and this and that and sweat the night away in that black dress that's there with all the gold. And it was sequined and it weighed. Today, I don't have to live that way. Do I still own the first two outfits in those lower pictures? No, it, they were taken a long time ago, but everything else fits me year after year, not because I am a superhero, because you, you just have to come here and look at my photo albums and see the up and down and the shock and horror on people's faces. 
It's because I put my hand in somebody else's who had already had their hand in God, who had a sponsor, who was sponsored, who had experienced this miracle and couldn't wait to give this miracle away to me. Just like it talks about, right, in working with others. And the whole theme of the book is just to love and be kind and give hope to other people and continue to give this away. I give a lot of service in these rooms. Again, not because I'm so fabulous, because I can never pay back the debt enough. A few dollars in a basket will never, ever do it. Plus, I need to make sure I have a place to come to for the rest of my life. I can't afford for this to go away, physically, mentally, or spiritually. And I know today that I don't have another bite in me. I just don't. So... I'm always working with a newcomer or somebody who's going through the steps again. I work with women who, you know, have worked through the steps. I don't talk to them as much as the others, but we stay in constant contact, right? I need to keep on talking. I need to keep on talking. I need somebody like Deborah, who I've read my inventories to, who knows everything about me. And there are moments in there I'm not proud of, but she never said to me, tut, tut, tut. I don't know. Back of the class. Three minutes left. Thank you. So if you are struggling, I know we all say this is the last house on the block. There's nowhere else to go. There is somewhere else to go. It's called the gates of insanity in hell. It's called the fatality of this illness. If you come here for long enough, unfortunately, you're going to know of somebody who has died from this disease. I don't want to be that person today. I want to be one among many, doing what is necessary if it means not speaking for three months, putting toilet paper in a toilet paper holder. I do it at home. I can do it here. Making these groups vibrant and better, I personally think Zoom is the most incredible thing that has happened for Overroots Anonymous. The birthday party alone bore witness to that. 1,800 people from all over the world, from Poland, from Russia, one person from Thailand. How else would that person have heard the message? So I will keep on coming back because I identify. It reminds me where I've been. I hear the message of those who have recovered. I know where I am today. And then for those who are still suffering, I remember where I haven't been yet because I know that 250 pounds would be the starting point. So there's just this wonderful thing that I love in the 24-hour day book, and I'm just going to close with this. It's on November 11th, and it's the meditation for the day. I read this every day, and it says, as you look back over your life, it is not too difficult to believe that what you went through was for a purpose, to prepare you for some valuable work in life. Everything in your life may well have been planned by God to make you of some use in the world. Each person's, life is like the, each person's life is like the pattern of a mosaic. Each thing that happened to you is like one tiny stone in the mosaic, and each tiny stone fits into the perfected pattern of the mosaic of your life, which has been designed by God. So thank you for the opportunity to speak this evening, and I look forward to hearing back from all of you.